everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Green, founder and CEO of the Positivity Institute. Welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series one, where I'll be chatting to those pioneers of positive education, those who forge forward in their mission to create flourishing students, staff and whole school communities. I'll be speaking to positive education pioneers from various schools around Australia over coming weeks to talk with them about their experiences and journeys in positive education. The podcast series is generously sponsored by Perth College, who will also be hosting the fourth Positive Education in Perth conference this October, and we hope to see you there. Today, I'll be speaking to Sue Chandler. Sue is Head of Wellbeing at All Hallows School, a Year 5 to 12 independent Catholic school for girls in Brisbane. Sue is an experienced educator who holds a Bachelor of Education, a Master's Degree in Counselling and a Graduate Certificate in Dispute Resolution. She has held positions of pastoral leadership at several independent schools in the ACT and Queensland. Sue has presented at numerous positive education conferences in Australia and recently presented at the IPEN conference in Texas. Welcome, Sue. Hello, Susie. It's great to be with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us and talk to us about your journey and also, I guess, All Hallows' journey more broadly into positive education, Sue. It's my pleasure. I'd like to start off with, and a lot of our audience are really curious about what brought you and your school to adopting a positive approach. And you may choose to add a little personal note uh, if you'd like, or you can speak more broadly to the school. Yeah. Well, look, I think, I mean, I'll start with the school perspective, um, and I'm sure we weren't alone in recognising the alarming and concerning statistics about young people's wellbeing. Um, lots of documentation from Mission Australia, Youth Reports, um, and the Young Minds Matter, um, the second Adel- um, Australian Child and Adolescent Survey of Mental Health and Wellbeing, were, were just a couple of things that really piqued an interest for us you know, that, that this was going to be an issue for schools uh, to start addressing. And that really correlated with our own gut feeling that we needed to develop a strategic response um, to enhancing the well-being of not only our students but our staff at a time where education seems to be increasingly um, a, a stressful place to work. And from my own perspective, my own experience, I was very fortunate Years ago, I think it was in 2009, to take up an opportunity to go to Geelong Grammar uh, when Martin Seligman was in residence. And I sort of self-funded that. It was part of my studies in a Master's of Counselling degree. And I had been learning about positive psychology. And then I came across this training being offered, the six-day intensive offered at Geelong. And so, you know, that really was transformational for me. But it took until I was in a situation at All Hallows with right time, I suppose, with a brand new principal who came on board, Catherine O'Kane, and that was the opportunity I had then to influence the incoming strategic plan. Obviously, you're intrinsically motivated, as we do find with, I guess, a lot of uh, the heads of wellbeing or the person that is uh, driving the wellbeing agenda at the school. It's so important, isn't Mm. it, to have that uh, intrinsic uh, interest and desire. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, we're really trying to shift culture and that's hard work. And it's not to say that we haven't been doing a lot of great work in education, but I think we now have this amazing bank of evidence-based research which really should inform our practices. Uh, so rather than going off gut feeling and anecdotal evidence, having this background of research really should be driving us. But it does take energy and we are a very old school. Um, we're the oldest secondary school in Queensland, a very stable staff with low turnover. So it's a lovely place to work, but perhaps, you know, the idea of renewal and bringing in fresh energy is something that we don't always have an opportunity to do. So shifting culture can be hard. Definitely, and take some time. And uh, you may speak to this as we progress through the questions, but I guess the, another important fact is that you are a Mercy School as well, Sue. And, um, That's right. I, I know that there's some lovely connections that you've been able to make there. Yeah, I mean, that was really important to um, our school context, bringing in, I suppose, a secular science and being sure that it really could marry up and align uh, with our faith-based values and mission. And, of course, it does because, you know, there are many, many crossover points between, say, character strengths and virtues and, I guess, the teachings of Jesus. So that, that really wasn't a difficult process for us, but nonetheless it was really important. And, and I guess foundational to being a Mercy School is the highlight of eudaimonic well-being. Like we really, I think that's something we do very well. We walk the talk when it comes to actually sense of social justice and service towards others. And so that would be very much a protective factor for our community in terms of well-being. Definitely. So, Sue, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about your journey so far. Because you're yeah. in, uh, what, what year would you say uh, you're in, a second, uh, third year? Or? Yeah, look, I'd say we're in our third year, but probably second year of implementation. I, I think we, we began back in uh, around 2015 uh, when Catherine O'Kane, our principal, arrived. And uh, I was a counsellor at the school then, and uh, I guess I saw a willingness uh, to open up the conversation around positive psychology and positive education. So I started off an interest group for staff. It was completely voluntary. And over the course of the year, I had over 75 members of staff from support and teaching staff participate in this voluntary program and I knew that we were onto something from a grassroots perspective because we were also in a time of I guess industrial action where we were striking as a staff against attending any meetings and yet I still had people volunteering to come to these meetings. So so that was really, um, I guess, the foundation for us. And look, we had the opportunity to visit some schools. That was very important to getting a sense of what was going on out there with best practice. And having a new principal who, who actually, by admission, didn't know anything about positive education, but was incredibly invested in learning about it. And Catherine went off to some of the leading schools, so Geelong Grammar, St Peter's College, and met the leaders of those schools to find out more about The other thing that really helped us, I suppose, to get underway is that we were in a strategic planning phase and for the first time in our school's long history, two strategic goals were given priority for wellbeing, one dedicated to staff and one dedicated to students. So that was really the first phase and at the end of that, um, I guess at the end of 2016, there was enough impetus to create the role of Head of Wellbeing, uh, which I applied for, and, yeah, lucky for me, I was successful. So that's, that was really the first phase. 
Yes, and Sue, definitely, I think, plays to your strengths and, and putting <laughs> modesty aside, what do you think those strengths might have been? Because it, you did play quite a, a large role, I guess it sounds to me, in terms of education, but also the relationship building and, uh, with staff. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose I'm brave and I, I saw it as an opportunity to press and to challenge and to ask the questions. And certainly it has required, you know, persistence. You know, you've certainly taught me to hasten slowly, but I, I also know that this is a long game and it's really about setting the school up from a foundation perspective to be successful uh, long after I'm gone. I mean, I hope I'll be here for many years yet, but I know that if I leave, you know, and, and maybe the principal leaves as well and this all falls over, then we will know that we haven't been successful. So certainly has taken persistence and I guess um, social intelligence as well, just to be able to read the mood and, and to find out where the champions lie and to be able to build on those people and pay most of my attention to them rather than, I guess, the doubters that might exist in any school community. And can you tell us a little bit more about, I mean, I'm aware that training has played an important role and, you know, we feel very honoured to have been involved in a, a large part along with my associate, Daniela Falecki. Can you tell us a little bit more about perhaps some of the current initiatives or where you're at right now? Yeah, look, actually in the September holidays, I'm off to complete my Dot B Mindfulness training with Jean Watson from Mindfulness Matters Australia. And that's a key strategic aspect of our wellbeing curriculum, which will launch next year. So one of our counsellors is already trained uh, as a Dot B teacher. Uh, and then I will be from, you know, the end of these holidays as well. So all every year seven student from next year will receive that foundation for us. The other, I guess this does speak to a little bit of a barrier and a challenge that we have in that um, anyone who knows what's going on in Queensland schools knows that we are introducing a new senior system and that has generated an awful lot of extra work to really write new syllabus documents and prepare our year 11 and 12 students in a completely different way with external exams for the first time in 40 years. So that, you know, that has uh, put a squeeze, I suppose, on, on some of the training um, opportunities that we have been able to create. But I'm very optimistic that once we get through the start of this new system in 2020, we'll have a lot more capacity to really drive our training initiatives with our staff. Thanks, Sue. And I guess that really speaks to the importance that uh, mindfulness is increasingly playing in positive education. And as you're probably aware, the reference to it being the foundation of flourishing and uh, in terms of having awareness, I guess, of different aspects of positive education like strengths use, strength spotting, for example, mm -hmm. acknowledgement and appreciation. If we haven't got that level of mindfulness, then it, it, we're not going to be thinking to mindfully apply uh, those other positive psychology interventions that's um, right so yes i'm sure i mean obviously to the increasing research base around its role in stress reduction well-being enhancement but it has so many other benefits mm. doesn't it it does, yeah. And um, we're certainly becoming increasingly aware through our data collection that mindfulness is, I think, going to be a crucial skill to develop with our girls just to be able to bring their awareness and attention to settle themselves down for the completion of their academic work because we know that um, some anxiety around performance is something that our wellbeing data has revealed. So I think it will be a really crucial skill to build that capacity in them.
Definitely. And of course, Dot B is one of the, if not the mm. most evidence-based mindfulness approach uh, available at the moment in education. That's right. Um, yep. So, so just moving on a little, could I ask you, what have been your greatest learnings? And it's great, isn't it, to learn more about these pearls of wisdom or things perhaps um, that you might do differently in the future, particularly for people that are listening and they're at the beginning of their journey. Yeah. Look, I think the first thing is that to be a bit self-compassionate, um, particularly if you are starting out in this role for the first time, as many schools will be, because you only know what you know, but that keeps changing. So you will make decisions such as what well-being measurement tool to use or what framework design you want to begin with, but that might evolve and change over time, and you might end up looking back afterwards and saying, oh, why did we do that? Or if only we'd known. But the reality is that you can't know, but you, you know, you're on such a learning curve with all of this because we really are pioneers in Australia. And I certainly learnt by going uh, to Texas recently to the International POSED uh, Network Conference that in terms of embedding the science of wellbeing into education, Australia really is leading the way. And I know that we're on the back of some important work that's been done by, you know, schools like Geelong and St Peter's. But I think when you think long term about education, we are very much at the pioneer cutting edge stage. So I think a little bit of self-compassion is yeah. something I've learnt. Another thing I've learned is really to develop your own framework that takes into account your school culture and context. It can be tempting to maybe just pull something off the shelf, but in my experience, what gives a framework a heart and a soul and the capacity to be more successfully embedded is the fact that it speaks to who you are. And of course, as I mentioned, you know, that idea of hasten slowly and be mindful of other whole school imperatives that are going on at the same time. And Daniela Falecki is, I don't know if she got this from you, Susie, but she always <laughs> tells me to stay in my lane um, because having a responsibility for a whole school framework, which is what my role is, you know, it can be overwhelming at times. So I have found it helpful to reflect on where my mind is at. Uh, you know, am I thinking too far ahead? You know, has someone drawn me into a conversation that might be really interesting about a part of our strategy, but it's something that I cannot yet focus on. Wow, you've raised some really important points there, Sue, and I might pick up on a couple of them. One mm, is, sure. um, and I did uh, mention in, in the introduction that you had not only attended but presented at numerous positive education conferences in Australia and recently at IPEN. What would you say in terms of the role of conference attendance and presentation has made for you and, uh, and perhaps other staff along the, the journey? Again, it probably speaks to having a little bit of bravery um, because you've got to really take that risk to put yourself out there. But it has been incredibly helpful to build connections, but also, I guess, just to demonstrate, I guess, the sincerity and the seriousness of the All Hallows journey. Like, I, I mean, I may present as one person, but I'm trying really to convey when I present the All Hallows journey. And we really do want to put ourselves out in the space as being one of the leading schools in Queensland. And I know we've still got an awful long way to go, but by at least presenting at conferences, you can put your face and your school in that context, um, as well as, as I guess, learning an awful lot from other people just by the virtue of being in their company. And I think the other important point you referred to was measurement. And I, I know mm. a lot of people interested in this, uh, taking this path are interested in measurement. And I also understand that's 
been a learning for you, Sue. Would you be able to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, look, we, um, you know, I think one of your questions was in preparation for talking to you today was what would we do differently? And I think we would have taken more time to investigate the wellbeing measurement tools. And I know that there are some great ones out there. And initially we did make an ambitious decision to partner with a tertiary institute early on in our planning. Um, and look, that just didn't quite go to plan. Um, you know, it just wasn't a compatible relationship. And, and it might have felt at the time as though it pushed us back backwards. But in the end, um, it really did turn out to be a blessing because it opened up new conversations with different people. And in the end, we settled with Echo Research, who are based out of Western Australia University. And uh, what we particularly liked about them was that it was a tailor-made survey, which does come at an additional financial cost to a school, I will say that. But it has been universally valuable for us because they really put to us, well, what is it that you want to measure and we knew that really it was around that academic well-being uh, mindset aspect of our girls that we wanted to find out more about. So we really looked at scales around optimism, perseverance, motivation and engagement, a general measure of resilience, quality of sleep, peer and school relationship and connectedness. And then we did, um, we looked at a screening measure for depression, anxiety and stress. And so the data that we received was incredibly helpful and, and has very much given us an idea of what our strong protective factors are. And we have a lot of those, but also some particular um, vulnerabilities that we can now target our interventions around. So uh, it's been a really, really positive outcome working with them. Yes, and obviously a rigorous approach, but yet bespoke, as you mentioned before. That's right. Yes. And is the intention to repeat that on how regular? Yeah, we'll, we will repeat that on an annual basis. And we've had, we're just finalising some arrangements to bring Echo Research over to do a more detailed qualitative analysis of our community wellbeing. So I'm pretty excited about that uh, for 2019 as well. Wow, that's great to hear, Sue. And one final uh, point I want to pick up on is your bespoke framework. Uh, mm. And I have to say, Sue, I've seen a number of these <laughs> over the years, and uh, it, it has to be, I would say, one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive. Oh, thank you, Susie. That means that a lot coming from you. <laughs> And I would say, I mean, you put a lot of effort, you reached out for a lot of uh, input, didn't you? So, mm-hmm. so it'd be great just briefly uh, hear how that came into being. I guess, again, it, it had to speak to who we are and being a Mercy School, a Catholic school, we had to be confident that when we were bringing in, I guess, this, as I said, a secular science that it could marry with our Mercy tradition. So I guess we were looking for evidence around spiritual well-being and we did find some important research by John Fisher, who's an Australian theologian, and just some aspects of his research in particular were of interest to us around the idea that at our core we're spiritual beings and what defines our spiritual well-being is the relationships we have with ourselves, with others, with the environment, so eco-spirituality, and then God. If we choose to have a relationship with God, that will obviously enhance our spiritual well-being. And then recognising, I guess, that well-being is then multidimensional, we looked at those other elements of physical, social, intellectual, and emotional. And then the ways to well-being, that's where the science sits on the outside of our model and that's where we can really look at those evidence-based programs and interventions to drive some change in our community.
Mm. And it's had great acceptance by both students and staff too. And parents? Yeah, yeah, it has. And, you know, we have begun our parent education program. So our our wellbeing model framework is called uh, Fit for Life, and that has a strong connection to the school's founder, Catherine McCauley. You know, she's known for many famous quotes, and I guess when you're a school that's nearly 160 years old, you do pay attention to some of these quotes. And she really called all of us who work in at All Hallows to work with our girls to fit them not only for heaven but for the life that they're leading now and so that we've taken that a contemporary spin on Fit for Life. You love it, absolutely love it. And uh, Sue, if you had one story, and I, I know there's probably so many <laughs> stories, but if there's one story that you could share that highlights, I guess, the impact that Polzette has had, whether that's mm. a student or a staff member or, or yourself even if you like, is, is there one that you could share with us? Yeah, I mean, we are still, I think we're yet to see the greatest impact because I think most of my work so far has been foundational. But um, I do a little bit of teaching in my role and I did go to my year eight health and phys ed class the other day and it was a theory lesson. And uh, as the class was settling down, one of my students said to me, you know, so what went well for you this week, Miss Chandler? <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, I loved it um, yeah. because that was obviously something that I had been, you know, working on with them from time to time and I just love that it obviously planted a seed in her mind and I hope that 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 speaks to the impact that our new you know remodeled um, wellbeing curriculum will really be able to touch on and the investment that we'll make in the coming years to really bring about you know wellbeing into teacher practice and curriculum design which will be a big focus in the next few years. Fantastic yeah but I guess just it, the language or it's so powerful, isn't it? We've heard that again and again in uh, the interviews uh, prior to today and this yep. concept, um, which I know Professor Lindsay Odes is uh, publishing on, referred to as wellbeing literacy. And there mm-hmm. really is a, a whole language, isn't it, that you're introducing and how wonderful to actually hear it, uh, particularly yeah. from students. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, so where to next, Sue? If I was asking you a classic coaching question, what would you be telling me <laughs> in five years' time that's happening for you in All Hallows? Oh, I'd love to see that our levels of um, maybe some anxiety around performance, um, academic striving had reduced a little bit. Being an all-girls school, um, strong academic focus, I-, I would love to see that our girls have a, a, a toolkit at their disposal to be able to manage all sorts of challenges in life um, and to be ready to perform at their best when they're in that performance zone. I think, you know, you touch on language. I, I would love to just see that we have we are a community that can speak the language of well-being and it just becomes a part of who we are, sort of woven into the fabric, I guess. And I think, you know, one of the greatest challenges is to really influence our teachers to help them to see that we're not asking them to do more, but we're perhaps, you know, rocking the boat a little bit to say, you know, what if, what if I told you that you could still get really good outcomes for your students, in fact, possibly even better ones, but at the same time you could enhance their well-being? You know, would that be something that you, you know, a journey that you'd be interested in going on? Because I think at the moment there is some, some fatigue out there for people working in schools and the idea of this is just another thing. Uh, so I think if I've been successful, I'll know that the teachers actually see that there's a better way uh, in terms of the role of, of teaching in the future. Exactly, and for their own well-being. Uh, yeah, which we, absolutely. we know is contagious, isn't it, as well? Absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah. Fantastic, Sue. Yeah. Well, this is one final question, and that relates to, I guess, resources. Um, yeah. And I know you are, you're definitely a lover of resources. But, um, <laughs> so I'm going to try and pin you down if there was one book or perhaps a, one mm-hmm. podcast or even a TED Talk uh, that yeah. you'd recommend anyone interested in positive education or positive science. Yeah. What, what would be your go-to? I'm going to share two things with you, if that's okay. Um, look, the first thing was uh, the evidence-based approaches in positive education by Matthew White and Simon Murray, which was the story of St Peter's experience of implementing a strategic framework for well-being in their school. As someone who was coming into, I guess, a strategic leadership position for the first time and who had, I guess, a sense that I didn't want this to just be a pastoral care initiative or a standalone program and just to be able to pick up that book and to see the vision and the scope of just how widely the idea of whole school wellbeing could be. And within that, I suppose, is some of the work that that Lee Waters uh, has developed as well. So I just found that a really, really important, you know, resource for putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And then the last thing really is to join PISA, the Positive Education Schools Association, because I think, you know, that is just a peak body in Australia now. And I've been lucky enough to be on the Queensland chapter, uh, which was launched last year. You know, and we've had our first state conference a few months ago, which was a great success. And I just think that this is the space where you can hear and learn mm-hmm. uh, from the very best people and remembering that Australia really is leading the way in terms of embedding into education. So that's just a valuable resource for anyone out there that might be listening and sort of yeah. trying to work out how to get themselves started. Definitely highly recommended and um, I guess in the spirit of sharing, which really is the spirit of positive education, positive psychology, right. uh, it is a great way to connect with others and to, you know, be made aware of the resources that are often in many cases freely available that people are offering uh, as well. And I did like, I mean, the reference to the St Peter's text as well. It really does highlight how important it is to take a strategic approach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... You hopefully you'll agree. We, we still, I guess, unfortunately, in so many ways, I'm seeing still what I call a scattergun or hodgepodge mm-hmm. approach. And I, I understand that, it, as you know, it does take time. Um, yes. But as you said, hasten slowly uh, <laughs> and, you know, step back and think strategically and sustainably is probably one of the, the keys to success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think in the end that will hopefully be what makes All Hallows' journey successful long after I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, Sue. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today and sharing very generously your experience and your knowledge. And uh, I do look forward to hearing what's happening in the world of uh, Positive All Hallows in the next five years and beyond, Sue. Thank you, Susie. It's been great to talk to you and um, and thank you for the part that you play as well. Uh, definitely a pioneer in this space and uh, someone that who has been a great resource to many of us you know, who are getting underway on our journey. Thanks so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series one brought to you by our sponsor. Perth College, who will be hosting the upcoming Positive Education Conference in Perth on Saturday 27th of October. Don't forget to sign up for our free e-news at the Positivity Institute website, where you'll be kept in the loop for all things positive. Bye for now.